man, I'm so glad that I'm a part of the church. You know, I'm, I'm glad that when, when my wife and I decided to get married, we didn't have to look in the yellow pages to find a church or find a preacher or find somebody that offered Marian services. But we had a body of believers. We, we had a church because a church is not a building. We are the church. You are the church. I am the church. And one of the things that that is so intricately involved in in the church is a subject that so many times it is misunderstood and because we misunderstand it we seldom really do it. We call it prayer. But what prayer really is is the opportunity to communicate with the author and the finisher of the church. Prayer is the, the opportunity to have a conversation. I, I'm amazed, and, and I don't say this with, with any kind of guilt or condemnation, but, but I'm amazed, and, and I think I know the reason, but we, we can talk on the phone for a long time, but when it comes to prayer, we run out of things very quickly. And I think I understand the reason because we dismiss prayer a lot of times as churchgoers because it's just boring prose created by seemingly religious people who say, I got to do it. And I, and I don't know about you, but I think I know most of you because I know human nature that if, if you want me to do something, tell me I can't. Right? If, if you want me to do something, it's called reverse psychology. Just tell me I can't do something and just stand back, pull up a chair, get a glass of pink lemonade and watch me do it. But when we're told we have to do something, a lot of times we just say, well, if, if I have to, I'm not going to. And, and especially when it comes to a lot of church things, and I think this is the reason that so many people are turned off by the church, is because we've got all of these re religious ideologies that we expect of people. And it becomes just a ritualistic endeavor and it becomes a an act of piety that produces no power but I want to talk to us today about this subject called prayer because true prayer is what moves heaven I'm not talking about you know we get all formal and Oh, oh God of the universe and who stretches from eternity to eternity and, and, and we, we get all this religious jargon and we're, we're, we're trying to quote it just right and yet it leaves us empty. It leaves us unfulfilled and, 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 and the, the mystery of speaking into the air with someone who's probably not going to answer us back leaves just a little wonderment in our, our spirit. 
we know it's important to pray because the Bible is, is filled with, with men and women who pray. Jesus even said in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1 that, that we ought to pray always and not faint. So, so it's got to be important and know that men everywhere would pray lifting up holy hands unto God and yet it seems like that, that I, I've quickly run out of the words that I think I need to say. But I want to take us on a journey today because I think, I think prayer is truly birthed out, out of something else. In Psalms chapter 142, you have a situation here where, where David is in a cave. And we're, we're going to talk about this and dissect this for just a few moments here today. That, that David is, is in a cave and, and he has been driven there because of life. See, the Bible talks about caves periodically through the scripture and normally when it talks about caves, it's a place that people run to in a time of desperation. A cave is a place and and, and while we could talk about a literal cave today, I, I understand I'm preaching to some people here at Seven Cities Church that you may not be in a physical cave, but You, you hadn't run to a place in the rocks where there's an opening to, to try to hide yourself, but mentally, you have separated yourself with, from people. You quit taking phone calls. Won't answer the emails. You look at your phone, you've got several unanswered texts. People waiting for you to respond, but because certain things of life, you've been driven to a cave. And here in 142 of the Psalms, the preference of it says that David was in a cave. And it's in this cave. Notice what he says. He said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. I cried. See, I believe that, that a lot of people that I preach to Sunday after Sunday, you, you can't get into the religious prose of, of saying everything right and going through the rhetoric of, of, of knowing how to say the right words to make sense of a prayer. And so you refrain from praying. Because a lot of times, I have to admit that a lot of times our prayer is, is really to impress the person we're standing beside. Oh, come on. I know I'm preaching to church folk today. And, you know, when you start praying, you, you want to make sure that you get all the lyrics right and all the words right. And, and so the person standing next to you can, you know, at least think you got a little spirituality going on. But then sometimes life becomes overwhelming. And you can't articulate what's going on inside of you. 
You, you, you really can't put words to what is happening in your life. And so rather than embarrass yourself, y'all ain't going to get real with me today, but I come to preach a little bit. Rather than embarrass yourself by the person you're standing beside because you don't know how to articulate what you're dealing with, you just remain silent and let somebody else pray. <laughs> but when you come to a place where you are totally overwhelmed, and David, I believe, went to a cave because he had reached a place where he didn't want anybody to hear him pray. He didn't want anybody to hear what he was going to confess to God. See, there are times in my life, let me preach about me. There are times in my life that I find myself overwhelmed, not just with pastoring the church and not just dealing with people problems and not just trying to make sense of what's happening in life, but, but dealing with circumstances of who I am as a human being, I get overwhelmed and I have to resort to a cave somewhere where nobody's going to listen to me because I don't want you. Oh, help me, Jesus. I don't want you to listen to me pray because there's... See, see, I'm, I, I'm amazed at some people who, who don't pray as if they don't think God knows what's going on in their life. As, as if you're going to surprise God with what you're dealing with. When He already knows what you're going through. And He already knows the steps that you're taking. And he already knows the pain that you're bearing. And he already knows about your messed up family and your dysfunctional uncles and your dysfunctional aunts and your family reunion naturally. And the thoughts you have. I mean, as a human, there are sometimes the thoughts I have, I can't share. I, 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 I can't share. There, there, there are some thoughts I have when I'm driving in Midland, Texas with this horrible traffic that we're having. That I can't share. <laughs> there are some times that I even say things about situations that I wish I hadn't said. And, and, and David put it this way when he said, God, remember, remember, I am but dust. And, and so let me help you today by, by bringing you an understanding that he already knew the words that were formed in your tongue before you said them. He, he already knows the pressure that you're under as a husband trying to be a husband when, when Mary's didn't come with an owner's manual. And, and trying to raise teenagers when you messed up as a teenager yourself 
and your parents messed up as teenagers themselves and you're trying to make sense of all of it and it's not working and you bring that little child home from the hospital and it doesn't come with an owner's manual and it messes up your schedule and it deprives you of sleep well that doesn't bother me and you put on your big boy coat and you walk around as if everything's okay when in reality behind what people can see there's a crack now to understand David in Psalms 142 David is literally fleeing from his for his life Saul is after him because he was anointed to be king sometimes ladies and gentlemen your destiny will set you up as a target oh there ain't nobody gonna help me preach today but I came with a word for somebody your destiny puts a mark on you for people to shoot at I don't I don't know why you're being blessed I don't know know why why that's happening to you I, I don't know why you're getting that I, I've been doing this for years and, and let me just tell you sometimes the anointing will put a mark on you that other people are trying to take you out and you're going to get overwhelmed and quit trying to act macho and quit trying to act like you got it all together when people are saying things behind your back and you hear the little whispers of what people and you just try to buck up and say I'm okay and you're not okay because people that you that ought to love you are coming after you am i preaching to anybody on sunday morning why'd you get that promotion i don't understand why you got elevated i don't understand why you got the position they bring you up over somebody that's been there with more seniority and more education but the anointing opens a door for you that lifts you above them and all of a sudden what was your friend now becomes your enemy as long as you were placating him and as long as you were saying nice things and bringing him a starbucks oh thank you mark for starbucks today but bringing them a Starbucks and a chocolate brownie. Everything was okay. But all of a sudden now, when you leapfrog them and the Holy Ghost has moved you above them, all of a sudden they start shooting at you. It is all right for David to kill Goliath. Saul was happy about David killing Goliath. But when he finds out the anointing's on him, and when he finds out that Jonathan, his son, is not going to be the king, but David's going to be the king, and the backslappers that used to be around you, patronizing you and, and giving you accolades, are now throwing javelins at you. And you resort to a cave. I got to talk about the cave because the first cave that you find, and, and we're not sure, as, as I studied this, we're not sure that which cave that they were talking about, in, in David was talking about in Psalms 40, 142, but there were two caves that David uh, experienced in his life. The first cave that David experienced in his life was a cave called Abdullam. Abdullam. 
Abdullah means the same. The same. See, some of you walked in church today thinking your life is just always going to be the same. You're stuck in same. Some of you would love to tap the neighbor right now and just say, that's me. It seems like the harder I try, the worse things go. I'm, I'm stuck in same. It's never going to get any better. I'm never going to get that promotion. I'm, I'm never going to. I'm stuck in same. I've been anointed, but I'm stuck in same. Let me just tell you something today. Sometimes the anointing to the crown takes some time. See, you you got to walk around anointed, but submissive. Yeah. You got to walk around with destiny pouring out of the pores of your skin, but you still got to be obedient to somebody that's. You're, you're smarter than them. You've got more intellect than them. You ought to be above them, but you're stuck beneath them. See, I think one of the true tests of leadership is being faithful to somebody that's not as big as you are. I think sometimes God allows us to be under somebody that, that we, we really have more talent and more ability. But it's not about the talent and the ability. It's God checking the attitude that you're going to, are you going to be faithful in the little things? I can't, try, oh, am I preaching to anybody on Sunday morning? I got bigger things for you. I want to elevate you, but I can't elevate you until I understand that you're going to be faithful in the little things because if you're not faithful in the little things I can't take you to something bigger Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost anointing on me today to preach to somebody. Sometimes you walk around with the anointing, but you're still the little shepherd boy. David was anointed, but he got sent back to take care of sheep. So Saul's trying to kill him, and so he resorts to a cave. It's always, I'm anointed, but it's never going to happen. I've got talent, but it's never going to be revealed. I've got ability, but nobody's ever going to see it. And, and it's possible for you to get stuck in same. And so David in 142 begins to say, I cried unto the Lord. I came to a place where I became a, a pressure cooker. And what was inside of me became, it, it, it couldn't stay inside of me any longer. It began to, to, to boil over. It began to break out of me. I, I reached the point where, where I couldn't contain it any longer. See, I remember the old pressure cookers. Had that little thing on top. Anybody remember the pressure cooker? And, and I used to watch mom take some, some, some old chickens. We had chicken killing day every, every other Saturday. Some of you, you, you people that think the grocery store produces your chicken, let me tell you where they come from. We used to go out, out there, and my, my grandma was a little Indian woman, and, and she would grab them chickens by the head and wring them and, and snap their heads off. Uh, you didn't think you'd hear that in church today, did you? Just pop them, yeah, just, just pop them. And, 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 and they'd run around like, you know, the expression, chicken with his head cut off, they'd run around, and then our job was to go grab them and hook them over the, the clothesline. Y'all don't, that, that's before Maytag. Top loaders, front loaders, side loaders. I mean, this was the clothesline. 
and we'd hang them on the clothesline and, and they'd, they'd flop and then when they when they bled out we'd go get them off the clothesline and go there's a big pot she'd have a fire and, and it was boiling water and we'd go dip the chicken down in the boiling water and then we'd have to pluck oh I go to H-E-B where they make them Chicken killing day, man. But she'd take them old hens. Because those old hens, they laid a lot of eggs. And they'd get tough. And she, mom would put them in the pressure cooker to, to, to pressurize it. And it would tenderize the meat. But every now and again, something malfunctioned with the pressure cooker. And if you've never seen one, I don't even know what they call those little things on top. Anybody anybody help me out there? Those little things on the top that kind of jiggle like this. And, and then all of a sudden, man, boom. I mean, it shoot that little thing into the air. And, man. And sometimes the pressure cooker is inside of us dealing with all of these overwhelming things and so he goes to the cave and in the cave he said I couldn't do anything else but cry I, I just got to tell somebody I, I, here today while you're trying to give God a refined prayer, while you're trying to give God something that sounds good to you, a lot of times all he's waiting for you to do is to say, Jesus, I need you today. Most generally, ladies and gentlemen, he's not looking for you to articulate every little problem you got in your life. He's just simply looking for somebody to say, without you, I cannot make it. If you don't help me today, I'm not going to see tomorrow because there comes a time when all you can do is cry your relationship dictates it. your children dictate it your job dictates it life dictates it I've just got to find a place and so here he is in this cave and he, he said I just cried out unto the Lord and, and he said he said with my voice under the Lord did I pour out my supplications I just I just told God everything is wrong see some of you wouldn't even understand my prayers sometimes because my prayers wouldn't sound good to you because a lot of times my prayer is 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 just raw a lot of times my prayer is God I'm really having a struggle with so and so Oh, you ain't going to get real. This boss you gave me. This wife you gave me. This husband, you, that friend you gave me. See, sometimes my prayer gets pretty raw of just telling him exactly what I think about the situation telling him how bad I really think it is. Now, I, I would never say that about me. You know, that prayer where you got to confess it, God, I'm really messed up. But yeah, I do. Because sometimes, and most generally, ladies and gentlemen, it's not someone else that's got the problem. The problem. 
Lord, I hit you right between the eyes with that one today. It's not the other person that you think is the problem. Oh, Lord, it's not my mother or my father. It's not my sister or my brother. But it's me, oh, Lord, that's standing in the need of prayer. It's me that needs the attitude adjustment. It's me that's got a problem. My spirit's messed up. My attitude's messed up. God, I hate that person. David said, I just poured out my supplication, my complaint. Verse 2, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. God, I can't understand dealing with senior parents. I don't, I don't understand trying to sort it all out. I, I, I don't understand why we prayed and we hadn't seen the miracles that we wanted to see. I don't know, God, why I'm in this pain physically. I don't understand why I'm having to go through. I poured out my trouble. Am I talking to anybody today? I poured out my trouble before him. I poured it out. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path in the way wherein I walked. Have they secretly laid a snare for me? Notice verse 4, he said, I looked at my right hand, and behold, there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. David, he's in a cave. But but notice notice what happens when, when David's in the cave of Abdul. Stuck in the same, wondering if he was ever going to get out. If you go to 1 Samuel chapter 22 and read this in your private devotion, David was in the cave of Abdul, and, and while he was there, 400 men heard about David in the cave. And and 400 men showed up to the cave. Now, now I love this. Because when I'm in the cave, I want somebody to come that's going to bail me out. Come on, let's get real. When I'm in the cave, I want somebody that's going to come and, and, and say, here, let me, let me do this for you. Let me do that for you. Let me ease the tension. Let me ease the pain. And yet 400 men showed up to a down-and-out person who the Bible said were distressed, were in debt. And what's the third one? Oh, I thought you all know that. I got to look. They were distressed they were in debt and they were discontented you talk about misery loves company I thought you was going to send me an answer and you sent me 400 people I I just got to confess today, I've looked at this church a lot of times and said God I thought you were going to send me some people that could really help me And I'm not talking smack about you today. I'm just telling you. You know, I, I thought you were going to send some people that were really going to make this thing happen. And you sent the same kind of people that I am. David's in, he, he's in a cave. He's disillusioned. He's overwhelmed. And when he looks coming through the, ga- the door of the cave, here comes people that are in debt. Here comes people that are discontented. Here comes people that are messed up. Here comes people that are broken. Here, Because, ladies and gentlemen, the answer is in the problem. 
If we are not careful, we will look at people where they are right now and not where God's trying to take them. If we look at people where they're coming from, we'll get disillusioned even further and step back and say, God, I can't do anything. But let me tell you something. Of these 400 men that came in in debt and they were distressed and they were disillusioned. But look a few chapters later and what the Bible calls them. He calls them mighty men. It was in this group of 400 men that one would go down into a snowy pit and grab a lion by the jaw and rip its jaw off. It was another one that would hide in a pea patch and when a thousand Philistines came, he would rise up out of that pea patch and he would take out a thousand men. I've got to tell somebody, don't let your today dictate your tomorrow. Don't let your today prophesy what's going to happen in your life ah uh, uh, yeah who's in debt today anybody discontented discontentment simply means to be dissatisfied especially with one's circumstances yeah distressed distress means suffering from anxiety sorrow or pain and 400 of these guys show up at the cave. And David is already on his last dime. But the solution is not what it looks like now. It's in the process of what's going to take place. You're not stuck insane. It's just a cave. But when you cry out unto the Lord, he said in another place, 115 of Psalms, he said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me and delivered me from my trouble. So that person that God brings into your life that you think is going to become a burden, that person that God brings into your life that, that looks discontented, if you could see them, through the eyes of where God wants to take them. See, some of you walked in this service today and you can't see the past, the end of your nose. And you think this is the best it's ever going to get. And God sent a preacher here on a Sunday morning to look you in the eye and say to you, if you'll cry unto the Lord, if you'll cry unto the Lord, if you'll cry unto the Lord, hallelujah, but my family's messed up and my finances are out of control and I'm broke, busted, and disgusted and my spouse and I fought on the way to church today and my kids are out of control, but you got to find a place and get away from everybody else and open your mouth and begin to cry until your heart breaks. You got to cry until your soul begins to shake. Something inside of you needs to cause you to lay down the religious prose and trying to make prayer sound fancy. And you got to get to a place where you open your mouth and whatever comes out, it doesn't make sense. It's the sorrow of my heart. It's the cry of my spirit. But let Ladies and gentlemen, he's waiting for you to cry unto him today. And I titled this sermon today, Driven to My Knees. 
Now, I know what most of you went to. The NFL, players needed. Oh, you're going to address that, Pastor? I am. Some of you that are so patriotic, how could they disrespect the flag? And you can formulate all kinds of idea, ideologies in your mind. I respect the flag. I respect the anthem. I choose to stand. It makes little difference. I'm not here to be political. I'm here to pull out something. Because you can formulate your idea, oh, they're just a bunch of old millionaires and they just, you know, they ought to just play football. And But let me talk to us a moment. Because inside of every one of us, there are generational curses. I, I asked you a question, you don't have to answer, but, but have you ever been in a place and you looked around and you said, I've been here before. And yet you know you've never been there. Say, Pastor, you're weirding me out. No, I am telling you that you are a genetic makeup of two people who were the genetic makeup of four people who were the genetic makeup of six go that far. Y'all, you didn't come to do math class today. But we all go back to Adam. The original sinner that because of his fall and then ladies and gentlemen, you I, I don't want to do my family tree, okay? Because I don't know what, I don't really want to know what's in my family tree. I just don't, okay? I'm going to leave it at that. You have to take it from there. I'm not going to look at my family tree because I don't. I mean, I got a German name. <laughs> Some of you get that tomorrow. You'll be like, oh, pastor. But one thing I do know is there's there stuff put into me from generations past. Now, now I know you're, you're, you're too good to even think about this. And, well, you know, I, I come from a long list of aristocrats. And... Really? Let's check your DNA. And, and, and what we... What we Many times we, we just pass over generational curses. We, we just say, well, you know, I, yeah, I got some generational curses. And, and, but we fail to understand that there's things that are passed from one generation. I guess I'm at the wrong church today. There's things that are passed from one generation to another generation to another generation to another that 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 is woven into the tapestry of who we are as people. And, 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 and so when David gets to the cave of Engedi and he's sitting in the cave of Engedi, his 
enemy that is seeking his life comes walking into the cave and now it's in David's hands to take the life of the one that's trying to take his life I hope you can get this today because this is so powerful God put David's enemy in his hand and then says to David but you can't kill him faced with the very thing that's trying to take you out oh I know we preach them sermons I'm going to the enemy's camp and I'm going to take back what he stole I'm going to take my enemy I'm the head and not the tail I got my foot but what happens when God allows you to put your, your foot on the head of your enemy and then says take it off and you can't understand why David was crying out to the Lord you put my enemy in front of me and now you won't let me kill him and his heart was even smoked because he cut his garment the cave of En Gedi and David said perfect opportunity you read it out of 1st Samuel 24 he says my enemy has been delivered into my hand what happens when somebody does you wrong and you can't sue them think ladies and gentlemen the real answer to the dilemma of our society is when a people get real and realize that yes we all messed up and yes we all have pain and yes we all have generational curses but I can't do anything about it so I'm driven to my knees I'm driven to a place that pours out of me it's like water that pours out of my soul because I'm so overwhelmed and when I begin to see this about prayer this week and God began to speak to me about bringing this message to this church and I'm like God what are you trying to what are you trying to tell me and what are you trying to say to your people he said I'm trying to tell them that what I'm trying to do is drive them to their knees it's not time just to get on Facebook and post our little post it's time that this overwhelming spirit see we, we don't understand ladies and gentlemen they've made it political it's it's not political it's a spiritual battle it's not a political battle it's not a Democrat or Republican thing ladies and gentlemen it's a hurt thing it's a pain thing it's a hate thing and what it should be doing is driving us to our knees not in protest but in prayer David said, I, I was so overwhelmed. I'm, I've got, I'm carrying, hey, hey you, 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 I don't have time to unwrap all this. I'm, I'm out of time. I'm out of time. I don't have time to unwrap this. But when you look at the life of David, David, David makes an interesting statement in the Psalms when he says, he said, I was born in sin and I was shaping in iniquity. Now, most theologians believe that David was, was, was procreated in a relationship outside of the mother of the other sons of Jesse. And they believe that, that, 
that Jesse had had an extramarital affair. And because of that, this child, David, was born. And, and so they put him out in the hills to take care of sheep. It's kind of like, let's put him out of mind. Let's put him out of sight. And because he's out of... God, I feel Holy Ghost up in this house. Because he's out of sight, and some of you are trying to push some things out of your life that you will never be able to push out of your life until you deal with them. See, I didn't come to play games with you today. I came to preach to you. Because some of you are you you got shame and guilt and condemnation in your life, and the reason it lingers and stays there is because you've never faced it and you've never looked it in the eye and you've never dealt with it. They push David off into the hills and say, Hey, if he's out of sight, we don't have to worry about him. And not only was that the case, he was a Moabite. His great-great-grandmother was a harlot. And some of you are, are sitting here today trying to make your life act like it's perfect. They ain't none of us perfect. David's got a, got a great-grandmother that was a harlot in, in Jericho when, when, when Joshua came into the land of promise. And isn't it interesting in Matthew chapter 16, when Matthew would list the genealogies, he would say, Rahab, the harlot. Moab, Ruth, all these things that were stacked against him. Oh, you got to go even further than that because you got to go back to Judah. Judah had a incestuous relationship with his daughter-in-law and out of that was born two sons so while you're trying to sit here and act all perfect and everything I got to tell you today every one of us that said that's why seven cities is a place and a community of refuge that's why this church is a place of hope that's why this place That's why I can walk in here, ladies and gentlemen. That's why I can stand here. If it wasn't for God's grace and His refuge, I could never stand in front of you today. I would be excluded. I would be pushed aside. But because of God's grace, and because one day I cried unto the Lord, and He heard me. House lights are coming down. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closing. The altar is open today. This this altar is open today. This this altar is open today. The front of this church is is open today. What I came to tell you today, ladies and gentlemen, in the best way I can, it's not about how pretty your prayer is it's not about how righteous your prayer is it's about our hearts becoming honest it's about our hearts opening before the living God
And I don't know where you are, and I don't know what you're up against today. But I want you to know that if you'll cry out to him today, heaven's going to come and visit you. Heaven, because his presence, because his presence. And sir, you're in a place where you, you don't have to worry about the kind of prayer you pray. Ma'am, it's not about how pretty your prayer is today. It's about how honest. I said it's about how honest your, your heart is today.